Deep Work by Cal Newport. One sentence summary. Deep work proposes the idea that we have lost our ability to focus deeply and immerse ourselves in a complex task, but not without showing you that it's a skill more than worth cultivating again and giving you four rules to help you focus more than ever before. My favorite quote from the author is, if you don't produce, you won't thrive, no matter how skilled or talented you are. Cal Newport. I'm still digesting all the valuable lessons from So Good They Can't Ignore You, but I couldn't help taking a peek at what Cal's up to now. He's been talking about the idea of deep work for quite some time on his blog, which is a way for him to test potential book ideas. And now the accompanying book is out. Given that we now suffer from an 8 second less than goldfish attention span, Cal's call to focus is more than appropriate. Digging deeper into deliberate practice, a concept he described in his last book, Deep work suggests that being able to completely immerse yourself in a complex task is a rare, valuable and meaningful skill. The second part of the book then outlines four rules you can use to cultivate a deep work ethic. Here are three lessons from the book to help you go from busy to brilliant. 1. There are four strategies for deep work, all of which require intention. 2. Productive meditation can help you work deeper, even while you're taking a break. 3. Stop working at the same time each day. I hope you brought your scuba diving gear because we're about to go deep. Deep work lesson 1. Use one of these four deep work strategies but be intentional about it. This answers the question what does deep work look like? I'm glad that Cal isn't one of those one-size-fits-all advice kind of people. He knows that different things will work for different people. So when making his case for deep work, he suggests four different strategies. Strategy number one, the monastic approach. Monastic comes from monastery, the place where monks live. It means shutting yourself off completely, for example by moving into a cabin in the woods to write a novel and not come back until it's finished. Strategy number two, the bimodal approach. This prioritizes deep work above everything else. You could set a 4-6 to six hour block each day for deep work, for example where you lock yourself in your office, similar to the monastic approach. However, once that block is over, you're free to do everything else that might be on your plate. Strategy number 3. The rhythmic approach. This chunks down your work into time blocks, similar to the Pomodoro technique, and uses a calendar to track your progress. For example, you'd plan your week ahead of time and put 10 blocks of 90 minutes on your calendar and make working with time blocks a habit. Strategy number four, the journalistic approach. If you have a busy daily routine, this works well. What you do is to simply dedicate any unexpected free time to deep work. I'm currently alternating between state number two and state number four, depending on the kind of day that's ahead of me, but would love to move completely to approach number two, the bimodal approach, over time. Deep work, lesson two. Make the most of unproductive time with productive meditation. This answers the question, how can I get some benefits out of the time when I'm unproductive? This is an idea I really like and have recently been using more and more without knowing I'd find it in this book. Cal calls it productive meditation and it comes down to using your unproductive time, quote unquote, to do deep thinking. For example, if you're taking the subway to work each morning and know you have 30 minutes to and from work in which you can't do much else, use this time to try solving a complex problem in your mind. 
commuting, showering, household chores, buying groceries and taking a walk with or without your dog are all great opportunities to think. Ever since getting an activity tracker, I try to walk 10,000 steps per day, which is why I often end up taking a long 1-2 hour walk in the evening. I often spend this time thinking about how I can make 4 minute books more remarkable, what I could create that is so new and unfamiliar that it takes things to a whole new level, and so on and so on. So the next time you have some downtime, in which you do menial tasks, latch on to a big problem, try to see sub-problems of it, break it down, and solve it. Deep work, lesson 3. Quit work at the same time each day, and stick to it. This answers the question, how much deep work should I do in any given day? Cal has a habit of ending his work day at 5.30pm, every day. No emails, no internet, no to-do lists, no computer after that. He describes his practice in a 7-year-old blog post. And while his systems evolve, planning both work and free time have remained a constant factor. Your brain needs some space each night to wind down. And it won't get that if you have an as much as possible work ethic. Limit yourself by quitting work and not checking email or even better, shutting down your computer at the same time each day. This way you'll have a fixed slot of free time every day to recuperate. Your mind will keep working below the surface, but you won't burn yourself out by working around the clock. For example, I let Inbox Pause move my email to my inbox at 11am and 6pm. After I check it for the second time at 6pm, I wrap up work and shut down my laptop. Most days, it's a work in progress. So. After that, I can exercise and have a proper dinner, and I feel much, much better for it. My personal takeaways from deep work for 2017. I honestly have to admit the schedule I'm using and the things I mentioned in this summary changed quite a bit from when I wrote it, which was June 22nd, 2016, so about ni this was about nine months ago. From the deep work approaches... I use the bimodal approach now, and I use the bimodal approach, I would say, every day. What I do is I go to school, I have a breakfast, have my breakfast and a coffee, and w when I have my coffee, that is my starting signal to start writing, and then I will do the most important tasks, which are writing Quora answers, writing articles, writing book summaries, all my writing stuff. And I do that for however long it takes. And I usually won't check email before, yeah, when it hits my inbox, 11 or 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. And another part that has changed there is that now I only move my email to my inbox once a day, which is at 11 a.m. So I know everything gets moved in at 11 a.m. And so that's why I'm making a conscious decision to go in at say 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. or whenever makes sense for the day because that starts the other half of my day where I do all the other little tasks and things that need to be done but that are not deep work and that don't relate directly to writing. <clears throat> so with that, my, my approach has changed quite a bit. And to be honest, I'm not really good at quitting work at the same time each day. I have reminders set up, something at 6 p.m., by the way, it's now 6.30. So something at 6 p.m. that fires. I have another one at 9 p.m. that reminds me to shut down the laptop. But I found over the past, especially four weeks, that the more meaning I find in my work, the more progress I make, the more fun I'm having, the more I get into the flow state, the less I really care about limiting how much I work 
and just let work fill however much time uh, I wanted to fill that day. And so I really think this is an approach. Um, I wouldn't disregard it at all. I, th I think I like it. It's a it's a great idea. Um, but it very much depends on how much meaning you can find in your work, uh, how much you like what you're doing, and also whether you're in a flow state uh, at the time you want to quit. Because you might want to sacrifice some time off, I want to say, if you're in a really in a, in a good flow state and you really feel like you're about to get something important done. So I would say use it when it makes sense, but don't be afraid to ditch any particular approach uh, if you think the outcome is going to be worth it.